What did the Zen monk say to the hot dog vendor? Make me one with everything. This is the Fabric Podcast, and while the idea of prayer might feel like a joke, we're spending these next episodes wondering together at the multifaceted practice of prayer and how it has the potential to deeply connect us or help us see how we're already one with everything. I'm Chris. I am part of the Fabric community. We are in a message series about prayer, if you couldn't tell, and we take it very seriously with no laughs. So let's be honest. Like When we talk about prayer, we seem to have two options. Either it's super cheesy or it's confounding and it just doesn't make any sense whatsoever. This prayer thing is just one of those really difficult aspects of spirituality, of who we are and what we want to be, of trying to figure out how much do I think about this, how much do I let my brain go when I do pray, because is your brain allowed or not allowed? Um, And so that's what we're here to talk about for the last two weeks we have, and then uh, two weeks, uh, including this week, to come. Um, And so before I get started, a little about myself. I work at... uh, Minneapolis Children's Hospital. I am currently a chaplain that works on the pediatric ICU and cardiovascular ICU at Children's. Uh, So that gives you a little bit of perspective of who I am professionally and uh, gives a little more context to some of the stories that we're we're gonna address. So this week we're particularly focusing on what does prayer mean when we pray with others? And I don't know about you, but I find it hard enough to think about prayer by myself in isolation, and then you invite somebody else with a completely different mindset, a completely different perspective into this conversation. And what do we do with that? How do we manage that? How do we stay present to that? How do we understand that? How does that become part of this incredibly intimate situation that we find ourselves in. And then, what even is prayer? You know, the starting question that I have up there is, uh, does prayer even change anything? I've been sitting with this question since I've been asked to do this message and, well, pretty much for my whole life. Uh, And it's really an interesting thing. So we we can think about prayer as kind of this psychological exercise in which we pray, we release kind of our own expectations about the world, and we allow in the mystery that is the world, which I think is great and, and a huge aspect of what prayer is. But my question that I'm asking today is, does it really change the outcome? When we pray and ask for something, does that actually change anything? I have a good friend, she's actually here today, but uh, we were talking a couple weeks ago as I was preparing for this message. She's also trained as a chaplain, and uh, her littlest uh, over there had really high bilirubin count when he was born, and they ended up in the NICU. Uh, And as she was sitting there, she found herself praying. 
And it wasn't for this praying of like this radical acceptance of, God, please just let me understand if it's a high level that uh, I'm going to be okay with it. It was prayer that the levels go down. It was prayer that healing happens. And I think that's a really good example of the situations that we can find ourselves in. Of It's not just prayer that, that I accept any situation that happens to me. It's prayer that I'm counting on something actually changing with this. So I want to answer the question once and for all. Does prayer change the outcome? I don't know. <laughs> you know, I wish, I wish I could tell you definitely a yes or a no. I've often reflected that I almost wish that prayer didn't change the outcome. It feels like it would be easier and simple. It feels like that would just resolve a lot of the issues that I struggle with, with God, the wrestling, the, the, the hardships. And yet there's something there. There's something in these situations that I hold on to that's beyond God as Santa Claus, right, of just presenting our wish list to God. That's something different from just this radical acceptance of no matter what, I'm going to be okay, which, again, not discounting that. But I think there's something there. So many of the situations that I walk into as a chaplain, if, if God is going to show up in any situation, it's with a sick, innocent kid, right? Like, this is where healing should happen. This is where the miracles should occur. This kid did nothing to deserve this heart condition. This kid did nothing to be in this accident. This kid should just be a kid that's able to do all the things that my kid's able to do. And yet, they can't. And sometimes I find myself in situations in which I'm praying for something to happen and it doesn't. That, that the child ends up dying. And then there's other times that I'm praying for a situation to happen and that this kid who had a, a horrible brain diagnosis that didn't look like they were going to be able to move or do anything for the rest of their lives, as soon as I walked out of that room, the kids started moving. And then not only that, but the neurologist was walking down the, the hall and said, we read something wrong in the MRI. The kid's not in as bad a shape as we thought he was. And yeah, maybe it had nothing to do with the prayer that I prayed. I'm okay with that. But what if? It's a question that we sit with a lot as a community. What if, right? What if being together on Sunday mornings matters? What if creating communities that are intentional and vulnerable and lean into each other in hard times and celebrate with each other in good times and walk with each other in the mundane what if that matters? And so I want to I encourage you to hold a little bit on to that what if today. And maybe moving forward, but at least give me like the 20 minutes I have left with you to hold on to that what if. Not that I'm trying to convince you of anything because I'm okay if at the end of it you're like, nope, prayer is a psychological exercise for me and 
I'm good with it as that, and God bless you, and that's amazing. Uh, but I do think that there's something there. So starting off kind of what do we, how do we talk about prayer? So one of the biggest things that I think prayer is, is prayer is about juxtaposition. Prayer allows us to hold two opposing ideas together at once. So we already addressed. One is kind of this prayer matters and can change the outcome, and prayer is about radical acceptance. We can hold those two. Prayer is about healing, and prayer is about realizing the situation that we find ourselves in. Prayer is about words, and words matter, and sometimes it's too big for words. Prayer is about time of solitude, and prayer can be all together or in a couple or in a group or all of those things. Prayer is about recognizing that which is beyond us and recognizing that which is within us. It's about the connection with your true self and this God thing that is bigger and more amazing than we could ever ask or imagine. I want to be honest with you. Like I find myself wanting to fix those opposing views. Like, let's pick one or the other. Or let's find a compromise. Like, let's meet in the middle somewhere. And yet, I keep getting drawn back to this idea that it's not about resolving, it's not about meeting in the middle, it's about holding these two opposing things in my hands at the same time and saying, I exist here. I am here. I welcome and invite that which is to become a part of this. So praying is both powerful and vulnerable. So the powerfulness is that it just can be this beautiful situation. At times we can truly feel like we are the hands and feet of God. At times, there is something that shows up that's more powerful than I could ever ask for or imagine. And it's vulnerable. Because if we truly show up to these situations as our full self, if we try as much as we can to ask those defense mechanisms that make us put on those facades to step away just for a moment to be truly with and for another person. To be honest with you, that's one of the most vulnerable things I can ask somebody to do, that I can do myself. It's funny, so I find myself in a lot of situations as a chaplain of praying with and for people, right? That's, that's what I imagine you think I do all day is just pray. <laughs> By the chuckles, I think you all agree. It is not accurate. Well, maybe it's accurate, right? It depends. What do we call prayer? But I find myself that when I'm in those intimate situations with other people, one-on-one or one with a couple that is having their baby go to surgery, I'm fine with praying. You invite in one of my coworkers to sit there and watch 
or they happen to stop by and are like, oh, you guys are about to pray, can I join? And I just freeze. Like I totally kind of freak out. Because there's this vulnerability of showing up in that moment with somebody else that I'm going to get things wrong, that I'm going to screw up, that I'm going to not be who they need me to be in that moment, and to have somebody else watch me do that. But that's just amazing to me. Like, how much that comes somewhat naturally to me, and yet when I have someone else sitting there as that observer and watching me do it, I freak out. And so there's this vulnerability. And, it, and I think this power and vulnerability happens in a lot of our intimate situations, right? It can both be where we can build each other up in this amazing way, in this powerful, life-giving way, and we can destroy each other in catastrophic ways. I won't make you raise your hand, but I do think that part of what we bring to this situation, part of what's worth naming is that for many of us, for myself, I will say, some of the most powerful situations that I've been in in my life have been when people are praying with and for me. And now that might not look like we're bowing our heads and folding our hands, but that can look a lot of different ways. But it is just beautiful when you know it. You all know it. You know what that feeling is like. And those have been some of the most catastrophic and hurtful times that I've ever experienced. Where someone has taken advantage of that praying and really hurt me. So I want to name the fact that when we show up in this way with each other, that it's a lot on the line. One of the statements that we have in chaplaincy that I just love and I just cannot say enough, is it's all about you and it's not about you at all. It's all about you and it's not about you at all. This is true with prayer with others. It's all about you because it requires something of you. It requires for you to show up fully in who you are. It requires you to put words to the pain and the hurt that someone is experiencing or being present to and with somebody to be able to celebrate and have fun and laugh till your stomach hurts with somebody. And it's not about you at all. Prayer has nothing to do with you. What it is, is welcoming that which is to be a part of this experience. It's about letting go of the fact that it, this needs to be me who fixes it or who forms it and who solves it. And instead letting go with an open hand saying we are free to give and receive what is there to give and receive. I just think it's beautiful to think about how it is both about us as individuals and it's not about us as individuals at all. It's to show up with the audacity to ask and the humility to know that it might not happen. 
the audacity to ask for these things, to show up in this way, thinking that it matters, because it does, and the humility to know that maybe you're right, maybe it doesn't. The next aspect of prayer is that is prayer is about mystery. There's only a certain amount of prayer that we can really understand, right? There is a certain amount of prayer that just feels like it's too hard to even put into words. That it is just a struggle to even understand what we're doing or how we are doing it. And what I want to say is that this mystery does not mean that we have to leave our brains at home, that we have to intellectually disengage, or that I'm too smart for prayer. I certainly am not too smart for prayer, but you guys are a lot smarter than I am, so you might be thinking that. The, the, the mystery does not actually require less of us, but instead requires more of us. This mystery doesn't require less of us. It doesn't require us to be intellectually non-present or emotionally not present or not ask for what we truly want and desire. Instead, it asks us to fully show up in all the humanness that you are to these situations and allow yourself to be there and hold it with an open hand that allows for more and allows for that which is. So we get certain kind of insights into this mystery. And one of the insights that I have held on to since I was a little kid is this uh, Bible passage from uh, a letter in the New Testament uh, to the Philippians. So it's Philippians 4, 6 through 7. It reads, Do not be anxious about anything. Instead, in every situation, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, tell your request to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. When we translate those Greek phrases into English, they lose some of their meaning. And so this feels like a command, right? Like, it feels like when you are worrying about something, somebody who suffers from anxiety deeply, like myself, and I'm super anxious, and someone comes up to me like, don't worry about that. And I'm like, ha, that is the meanest thing anybody could say to me, and I'm very angry at you right now. And so this is, that's what this kind of feels like and sounds like. But what I want to encourage you is instead of seeing it as a command of do not be anxious, see it as an invitation. See it as an invitation to... Acknowledge those parts inside of you that are anxious about a situation and ask them to step aside. It's an invitation to show up as your true self to a situation without having to be distracted and overcome by that anxiety and anxious thoughts. It's not saying that the situation is not worth your anxiousness. In these letters, they are often writing to peoples that are literally getting killed and certainly getting persecuted. So it's not about saying you do not have to be anxious. That is the most anxiety-producing thing I can imagine. It's inviting you to 
allow those parts of you to step away. It's also about bringing with you those requests. It's not asking you to leave those aside or to pretend they don't exist or to say, well, that one's not worth it because there's other worse things happening in this world. Little side note, it is unbelievable to me how many families I talk to in the hospital that are like, well, at least my kid, they might have horrible heart condition, but at least they don't have cancer. Or at least if they have cancer, at least they're not you know, in a horrible trauma. Which is great. Like, gratitude at times can be really good. And also, there's so much importance to us recognizing the hardships that you're going through right now. That those hardships are real. That it's worth, that you are worth asking for something different. No matter what you're going through. You don't have to be in the worst situation you can possibly imagine to bring these things to prayer. Because no matter what, I think I see people in pretty much the worst possible case scenario you can imagine, and it's amazing to me that that weird trick we do in our brains shows up. And so I want to encourage you to say, what you're going through matters, and it's hard. And your prayers matter. And then there's this final line that, that I just love. A peace that surpasses all understanding. This is probably the prayer that I pray the most in my job. As a family's having to watch their kid be wheeled out to heart surgery and they're asking me to pray before that, that is my prayer for that family. That they can experience a peace that surpasses all understanding. It's not that your understanding goes away. It's not that you have to turn your brain off. It's not that you don't have to be intellectual. But instead, you get to leave, have all of that and somehow invite in a peace. Seems like a pretty cool what if. So, if prayer changes things, there's a few things that I know about prayer. The first is that there's no formula that works. I really wish there was that there were words that always made things happen, or a certain amount of people or the right person, or the best intentions within my heart to make something happen. And we have a saying here at Fabric that I just love, that God doesn't play games. That it's not just like waiting for you to figure out the Rubik's Cube in order to unlock the prayer to come true. And like, I'm not going to lie to you, there are some times where I really wish that was the case. Because man, I would spend my whole life trying to figure that one out and then pray that prayer over all of the hurt and pain that I've experienced myself, that I've seen others experience. But that just feels false and falls flat to me. The next is when, and I use this, this is kind of my mantra when my anxiety is at its worst. 
and that is God is God and I am not God. God is God and I am not God. And I'll just repeat that to myself. And I think that's what prayer does. It reminds us that we don't have to be the saviors, the be-alls, the end-alls to do this. I was talking to my coworker, Muhammad, who, who is Muslim, and he, uh, I don't know if you know much about Islam, but one of the aspects of Islam is that you pray five times a day. And he was describing to me of why they do that prayer. And, and part of it is to remind themselves that they are not their own, but belong to something bigger and deeper and greater than, than themselves. I just found such beauty to that, right? It's that reminder of that we might, we do, I believe to my core, each one of us has the imago Dei within us. God exists inside of us, and yet we are not the totality of who God is. So God is God, and I am not God. I think that's a great reminder for all of us. And prayer is not about getting the theology correct. It's not about addressing God in the right ways, or maybe even addressing God in a verbal way. We get to leave that behind. And instead, if, if and when we show up as our true and authentic and real selves, it closes the gap. It allows God to be in the midst of all of that separation. There are times in which I can recall in which someone has prayed for me and they could not have been theologically more different than who I am. And yet, they were willing to show up in that space authentically and really with me. And it was some of the most powerful and beautiful moments that I've ever experienced. We, we had a series about five years ago now uh, called Thoughts and Prayers, which it was at that time where every politician, when a catastrophe happened, their one sole answer to it was, we, they are in our thoughts and prayers, and yet it felt like nothing was happening, right? It was, it was a frustration. And, and so I think that's an important thing to address within this, is prayer doesn't negate our responsibility to act. It enhances it. Prayer doesn't negate our responsibility to act. It enhances it. We don't get to just say we're praying over that and pretend like nothing is happening. And what prayer allows us to do is welcome us into new ways of showing up with and for other people. Another metaphor that I love here at Fabric is our area of influence versus our area of concern. That our area of influence tends to be pretty small and our area of concern tends to be pretty big. And for those of us that struggle with anxiety, I feel like a big root of it for me is confusing those two. Of thinking that I can have influence on something that I really can't. And what prayer allows us to do is those places that we really feel like something needs to happen, we get to pray about. We get to participate in the healing, even though it might not be in our direct area of influence. 
And finally, prayer opens us up to alternative ways of showing up. Prayer opens us up to alternative ways of showing up. The reason I'm smiling so big is because I think the biggest teachers for this are kids. They constantly are showing us alternative ways of showing up places, of caring about things, of showing love and dignity and respect. They have this innate ability to just challenge the norms within our lives and give us another option and opportunity if we really listen to them. So whether prayer changes or doesn't change the outcome, it creates a space for us to participate. It allows us to show up in ways that we previously maybe never even imagined. And let me be honest with you, change can be really scary. I think it was Melissa talked about it, when the door opens, the draft kind of pulls God in. When, when, we, when we give God an inch, God takes a mile. And, and that can be really intimidating at times because we don't know where that mile goes. We don't know how and where that's going to end up for us. And that's part of that vulnerability we talked about. But what if it allows us a different type of opportunity for change? If you could all just join me in a moment of, of prayer with each other. Take a breath with me. We recognize that which is beyond us. That which challenges all, that which all the source of all life and love comes from. We stand in gratitude of being able to be in this type of community in which we can show up as we are and welcome the change that comes with it. I recognize all of the prayers that are spoken and unspoken here today. I don't know how and where this works, and yet I lift up that change can happen. That healing where it feels like no healing can happen can grow. In spaces of hopelessness, I pray for hope. In spaces of restlessness, I pray for peace. In spaces of brokenness, I pray for healing. And most of all, I pray for a peace that surpasses all understanding to surround us, to be at the root of who we are as a community and how we enter into this world. We recognize and we thank the God strand for being part of the weaving that we are together. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope these conversations are helpful and connective. You can find out more about Fabric at fabricmpls.com. There you can find notes from previous conversations and other resources for deepening your relationships with the threads of yourself, others, and that third strand we often call God. You can also find ways of connecting to a group, whether you're in the Twin Cities or not. You can join in supporting this community financially too. It's through the generous giving of people like you that Fabric is sustained. Again, that's fabricmpls.com. 
Thanks for being Fabric in your unique way.